Hey, this is Pastor Peyton, lead pastor of City Lights Church, and I just want to take a moment to personally thank you for tuning into our podcast. We are so encouraged by all that God is doing, and we hope that you're being blessed through this ministry. Today's message is from our encounter series, and in this series, we've been looking from the Old Testament to New Testament, discovering how one encounter with God can change everything. I pray as you listen in that you are blessed, you're equipped, and you're challenged, and that you experience the love of God. How many know that nothing but love came from the cross that day? Nothing but love. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're seeking or you're skeptical about your faith, there is no condemnation in you. There is no condemnation. I believe God has got some just incredible words for us this morning as we prepare uh, to, listen, I want to say this, continue in worship, to continue in worship to the proclamation of his word. I want to make sure that you understand that just because we sing and then someone speaks does not mean that the worship's over. How many of you know that? It's only continuing to go. We're in Mark chapter four this morning, and I believe it may be some of the finest scripture from Mark chapter 4. This is what's happening. Jesus has been teaching. It says, On that day, on that day when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Now, if you take notes, I want you to, to just remember that verse right here. Hang on to this. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And how many of you know sometimes that God wants to connect with you in the crowd of the places of your life, but sometimes you've just got to remove all the distractions and get away from that. How many of you know that sometimes you have to leave the crowd and sometimes the very people you need to leave may be the people you love. I'm talking to somebody this morning who's in a dating relationship and you know you shouldn't be in it. They left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat and other boats were with him. Verse 37. It says a fierce windstorm arose. And just listen to the, listen to the imagery here just as, as they speak this. A fierce windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. I want to know this morning, and maybe some of you, you're in some storms in life. You're in some storms in life this morning, and you feel like your boat is being taken over. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand and publicly acknowledge it, but I want you to just say, if you know in your life this morning, you're going through some storms, you're going through some things, would you just say, that's me? Verse 38, it says, but he was in the stern, Jesus, sleeping on the cushion, the only time in scripture that we see the son of man sleeping. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? But he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you fearful? You still have no faith. And for those of you who would say internally, you're going through some things. You've got some storms going on. He's asking you this morning, why are you fearful? Why do you not have any faith? 
verse 41, it says, And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. What we see here is that the creator of the universe has power over his creation. I believe God has got a good word for us this morning, and I want to take the remainder of our time to talk about the subject of put the glass down. If you came with someone this morning or even up here on stage, I need you to look at your neighbor and say, I've seen the way you drink before. You need to put the glass down. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Put the glass down. So we've been in this encounter series now. This is part four, and I believe that God has been using it in a tremendous way in my own life. Um, we've been hearing incredible stories from you about how it's impacted you, how God has been speaking to you. And I want to just share this. We don't have this up on the screen. But listen, if God has been using this ministry to speak to you, to bless you, to encourage you, if you've encountered him, I want to challenge you. Send us an email to mystory@citylightsac.org and let us know. Let us know what God is doing in you and what he's done. We shared last week of a lady named Kayla from Columbus, Ohio, who has been listening to our podcast and been blessed to the ministry of what God's doing here. And so I think that reminded me last week, and I want to share it again this week, God is doing greater things than what we see in this room. He's doing greater things. I mean, he's helping us reach people from California to Columbia to Texas and right here this morning. Um, and shouldn't God's kingdom be that way? Shouldn't it be bigger than just a room? Shouldn't it be bigger than just a certain person? So, but if you've got a story, if you've been challenged, if you've been equipped or something thought-provoking, or you feel like, honestly, you've just encountered Christ, that's my story at citylightsac.org. In this series, what we've basically been discussing is how is, uh, one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Just one encounter is all it takes. So if you're here this morning, you're going through some life things, you, uh, whatever it may be, maybe you're here this morning, you're not even sure where your faith is at, maybe it's been complacent, maybe it's, you've become apathetic, lazy. We believe that one encounter with him can change everything. And I want to make sure that I explain this very clearly because sometimes there's a there's a um, confusion that those who are farthest from God, if you will, who don't know him, and those who would say they're veteran Christians, we all need fresh encounters with God. And sometimes it's the Pharisees who need the greatest encounter with him. Amen? They need to get off the religious outlook of life and experience the freedom in Christ because there is freedom in Christ. It's that rugged cross where the love poured out. A couple weeks ago, my family and I, we went to Dollywood, and uh, any Dollywood fans in here? Four and a half of you, four and a half of you. Well, we were walking that day. It was awesome, and there was this little concrete little thing where there was like a little garden. My four-year-old daughter, she jumped up on it and was walking to the end. I was walking parallel with her, and I got time to get off, and she would just not jump. And I'm telling you, it was only like this high. It was not high at all. And I was like, Daddy, I'll catch you. You know, trying to have one of those great moments where it's in slow motion in my mind. She jumps and I catches her and I holds her and it's beautiful. But I could not get her to do it. I could not get her to jump. And I was like, Harper, just jump. Daddy, will catch you. And then I started getting ticked off. I was like, hey, we got to go. Just get down, you know. <laughs> it, was, I was no, it was no longer a special magic moment. 
At first, it started off as a Hallmark card, and then it started off as a Facebook meme about dads getting pissed at their kids and stuff. So <laughs> it went from really sweet to really sour really quick. But um, she finally, I picked her up and set her down. I said, why wouldn't you jump? She was like, I was afraid something was going to happen. I was like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm your dad. You know, I'm your father. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you down. And many of you are in that same situation this morning. You're a four-year-old little girl. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I knew I was going to say that. I had that in my notes. So, You're like that. You're, you're walking on the edge, and you see this opportunity to jump, and maybe it's into a new career. Maybe it's to go back to school. Maybe it's to go further with Christ. And for whatever reason, you will not take that step off. And you know it. And, you, I mean, you can, and I'm not talking about like a dangerous cliff. I'm talking about you just need to take one step to get some momentum going, and you won't do it because you're worried and stressed. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I want to clarify. Do not raise your hand. If you are stressed, if you are worried, if there are things on your mind that you're stressed and worried about in your heart, just before the Father, I want you to say, that's me. Because I've got a message for you this morning. If you're worried, if you're stressed about some things, you're who I've come to preach to this morning. If your life is peachy king, you just hang back and laugh every now and then if I tell a joke and just, you just enjoy it. You can kind of just sit to the side. But I'm talking to people who stress and who are worried because really, just like my daughter that day, it wasn't that big of a deal for her to step because the father was there to catch her. I was her father. I would always protect her. And the same is true for you this morning. What I'm saying is you've got these opportunities to step out and do some great things or to go back and fix some things, but you're so worried about what will happen that you don't trust the father to protect you. We see this in this storm that these expert fishermen, who no doubt had been through many storms in life, but something was a little bit different about this one. The waves were a little bit bigger. The wind was just a little bit more violent. The current that day was just a little bit more stronger. And what they didn't know is the very thing they needed was already in the boat with them. I've come to tell you this morning that just the, the presence of Jesus does not equivalent to no storm. What it means is that you will feel his presence during the storm. You've got these opportunities. Listen, maybe you don't have opportunities because you're so stressed and worried about things. This is a true story. I am already starting to get some gray hair. And let me tell you why. Because after 18 months of planting this church, y'all put some stress and worry on this young pastor. True story. Ariel, my wife, she's like, you need to fix it to where the gray, you know, like a touch of gray. Where <laughs> that way the ladies will think, you know. Worry is a terrible thing. And no doubt that we see in this story, and we're going to go back and get a little bit more relevant and a little bit more applicable in this story. And it's going to relate to everyone in here if you'll just receive it. But stress and worry are such a terrible thing. Because a lot of times you're worried about things that haven't even happened yet, Right? And so what's happening then is you're making a withdrawal on something that may never be deposited. Worrying is making a withdrawal from something that may never be deposited. And how many of you know that worrying about tomorrow robs you of today's joy? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something very profound yet so simple. Which that is the gospel, profound, but it's simple. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He defeated death, so we no longer have to be bound by it. I mean, that's pretty profound, but it's simple. We complicate things. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew chapter 6, listen to what Jesus is preaching here. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God, but seek first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, just hang me here for a minute. He's not talking about that your bank account is going to be in six digits tomorrow. He's not talking about you'll have your dream home paid for. He's talking about the basic necessities of life. There's other times in Scripture where he talks about not even a sparrow falls, but the Father knows it. How if he's going to provide for his, the creatures, the birds and things, how much more does he love you to provide for you? He says, so seek first the kingdom of God. And notice that seek is an active word. It's not passive. Many of us are passive in our faith, and we say, I'm seeking God. But no, really, you're just being passive. And then you're like, I don't know why God's not doing anything. And God's like, I don't know why you're not doing anything. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Verse 34, here it is. Therefore... Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, anybody. I mean, basically, this is where I'm at in my life. I don't think Jesus is saying don't plan for your retirement. I don't think he's saying don't plan for your kid's education. I don't think he's saying don't plan for vacation. But he's saying, hey, listen, focus on today. Today, right now. See, some of us, you get so focused on what may be coming that you miss out on what God is doing right now. So therefore, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, right? Of course it is. That's you standing on the wall knowing that you should take that step. But honestly, this is what it boils down to, okay? Not trusting the Father, not trusting the Father. It's interesting that Jesus says, seek uh, his kingdom first and his righteousness. But a lot of times the world we live in, this postmodern, the 21st century world, our culture tells us to seek first our kingdom and build up our righteousness. And here's the thing is the way that the, the culture is going, it's so opposed to what biblical values are and biblical morals and biblical principles a lot of times that we don't even understand what we're doing. Because we, I've, I've talked about this numerous times. The Bible says that uh, the sway of the world is under the evil one. So the sway, meaning that he, the, we call, it's a, kind of a churchy thing, prince of darkness, the evil one, enemy. He has power down here. Now, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm not giving you an excuse to go out and be like, oh, well, the devil got me today. I'll do better tomorrow. But we, we, our culture is so counter to what God wants for us. that Listen, that's why people get offended at the truth. Because we're going away from the truth. That's why when I speak something that's true and you know it, you get mad at guys like me. And you say, I should have said it a different way. And Jesus is telling all of us in here this morning, to seek him first. What does that mean? Very practically, it's to put his thoughts in place of yours. I think if you look at the disciples who followed him, it's to pursue him, it's to seek him, it's to know him, it's to love him, it's to communicate to him, 
And don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. As we get back into the story, I think that something you're going to see is there's this uh, incredible application for this story that we've just read for you here this morning. For those of you who would say, that's me that's worried, it's me that's stressed, I'm worried about. Listen, it could be cancer or criticism. It could be sickness or slander. Whatever it may be that you're worrying about, God wants to speak to you this morning. He wants you to encounter him. So I kind of want us to dive right back into this story and and see what this means for us as we look back 2,000 years ago on this story. Back in Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it says, So they left the crowd, and they took him along since, listen, he was already in the boat. And what this denotes is that, remember, these were expert fishermen. They had been out. uh, Jesus had been teaching that day. No doubt they would have had supplies with them. And he's telling them we need to go to the other side of the sea. And what it suggests here is that they did not go back to get any more supplies or accommodations because Jesus was already with them. Something that we can learn here that's very practical is that if you are in Christ, if you're seeking him, this promise will be true for you. If you're in Christ, this promise is true for you. No matter what storm you're going through, Jesus is already in the boat and he's all ready to face whatever storms are coming your way. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And what does it mean to leave the crowd? Well, listen, for some people today, what leaving the crowd means, and I'm guilty of this as well, it may mean getting off Facebook for a little while. It may be getting off Instagram or Snapchat. Does anybody still use MySpace? If you use MySpace, don't raise your hand. Is that even, <laughs> even legal? I saw one little hand go back up like there, like a T-Rex back there. It went, <laughs> no, okay, I won't do that. You've got to leave the crowd. You've got to leave the crowd to fill him. Skip ahead to verse 38. It says, so there's a storm brewing. It says, but he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, I think this is great. Leave us here for a moment. Again, the only time in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that we see Jesus, the Son of Man, sleeping, because not only was he fully God, but he was fully human as well, right? So we see his humanity here. In a moment, we see his divinity because he calmed the storm. And I think some application here is that, though it doesn't look like it, but by Jesus sleeping, we understand that he was human. The Scriptures say that he was tested in every way that we are, so he is aware of what you're going through. I think something else that's really interesting about this is this storm, these people look, they say, hey, don't you care that we're going to die? But Jesus was just sleeping. And I think something we can learn here is that what seems like a really big deal to you, Jesus says it's not even worth waking up for, for him. And it's not that he doesn't love you, but sometimes our problems aren't as big as we think they are. We make them bigger than what they really are because we stress and we worry. It says, so they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And I'll be honest with you, I've prayed prayers like this, and I'm asking you to be honest as well. Have you ever been in a situation where you're stressed or you're worried or you're concerned? You'd be like, God, don't you even care? Don't you even see what I'm going through down here? Don't you see that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you see that my family struggles with addiction? You know I'm doing my best to balance my money, but I can't even pay my bills. Don't you care? Don't you care that I have this health issue? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? 
And so sometimes we feel like, I mean, are they being disrespectful here? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I think God can handle your big ask question. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't have been surprised if I said it, right? God can handle whatever you have to bring to him. And I'm not saying you should go before him and be like, hey, man. And let me tell you something else that's interesting about this. It says, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Interesting that it's the Savior of the world, and they just see him as another prophet. And I think depending upon what you call him, it shows how well you know him. Is he Lord? Is he Jesus? Is he Savior? Is he healer? Is he forgiver? Is he redeemer? Can I tell you something else that's really amazing about this? Is you must remember that it says that the storms are they're crashing, the waves are, are crashing, the waves are breaking. It says it's a violent wind. And here's what I know this morning to be true is that the waves may not be breaking over your boat, but they may be crashing in your mind. And no doubt these fishermen had been through numerous storms before. But isn't there sometimes where something comes up, we've been through it before, but the way it hits us, the timing that it hits us, takes us over like we've never been through it before. Listen, this is what's beautiful about this. I've been able to teach from the Scripture before, and every time I, I see this, every time I think about this, it just blows my mind. But... I've shared this with our church family as well. So we've got a four-year-old daughter, and we've got a, I guess he's 14 and a half months or somewhere around there, 15-month-old little boy. But I've seen it with my son, but the first time I really saw it was with my four-year-old daughter because she was our first baby we had. But I can remember when she was just little, tiny, tiny. It was a long time ago, but this little baby, and um, I can remember when we began to like, well, she's, honestly, this morning I woke up and she was in our bed, so I was going to tell you that she sleeps by herself, but that's not always the case. But I can remember when we first started trying to uh, let her sleep in her own bed, and uh, I can remember that, you know, basically what I'm saying is this, is I could go through the house and stomp and sling up cabinets and get chips out and something to drink and make all this noise, and our dogs would bark and jump over the gate, and my wife would be like laying on the couch just sawing log, you know, just out of it. But of one little peep of that baby, and that mother would jump up. I'm telling you, uh, a, a rushing, violent windstorm tornado could come through 915 Madera Street, <laughs> and my wife would be, just be drooling. <laughs> but one little peep from her babies, her ears and eyes open. What I'm trying to tell you is God's the exact same way. Notice, it wasn't the violent winds that woke him up. It wasn't the rocking boat that woke him up. It wasn't the storms or the thunder, the lightning. Look, it says, so they woke him up. I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning is if you're going through a storm in life, if you're stressed or worried about something, it is your voice that wakes him up when he is sleeping in the midst of the storm. Psalm 18, verse 6 says this. It says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, from heaven, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. You want to get through the storm this morning, you got to call out to the Father. 
Why is it just me that feels like somebody should be celebrating what I just said? Is it just me? Don't give me a pity clap. Don't give me a pity clap. It's got to be loud. We record this. I need people to be able to hear it. Good. It was the disciples who woke him up. I think it's amazing there because what we see then is just like my wife has that connection with her children, and many of you moms do as well, so the Father in heaven has a connection with his children. See, what I love about it is, is that from here, from where they were, no doubt they were in the storm. Some of you are in a place of deep despair. Some of you are in distress. I know there will be people listening to this message who have been uh, and are currently struggling with pornography, addiction. Potentially there are people who have been molested, child abuse, raped. And you feel like you're in this storm. And in your mind, you're saying, God, don't you care that I'm fixing to die? Don't you care? He can handle it. He can handle it. They woke him up. Listen, the giant sleeping in you need only be awakened by a cry from you. Look as the story continues. Verse 39. So they cried for help. It says, he got up. Two things happened here. Three. He got up. Because when you call on the Father, when you call on Jesus, he gets up. It says, he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, silence, be still. And there are only two, excuse me, there are only two recorded nature miracles in the gospel of Mark. And what I mean by that is where Jesus calms the sea here. The other one is when Jesus is walking on the water. He says, silence, be still. The wind ceased, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And I think to myself, what an incredible encounter this would have been to see Jesus stop the wind. I mean, it's hard for me to even fathom. I'm not even, I, I'm not even a good enough communicator to articulate what I see as I read this. So I'll let your own minds go there. But we see the creator of the world having power over creation. And I think I want to tell you this morning that no matter what you're going through, Jesus has power over it. No matter what it is. No matter what the stress, no matter what the worry, no matter what's coming up, no matter what's been, Jesus has the power to calm the storms. Now, what Jesus says next, uh, excuse me, says next, we can only assume that maybe by the disciples' faces that it merited such a response. Jesus says in verse 40, Then he said to them, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? Now, there's a couple things going on here. Surely these disciples have seen Jesus raise dead people to life. They've seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen these miracles unfold. And yet here in this moment, 
Because we know the very next verse says, then who then is this? Because sometimes we see God's work and we're not even aware it's Him. Now, it's 2,000 years later and we know this is the Savior of the world, but if you can just take yourself back 2,000 years ago in this boat, in this storm, they believed Jesus was just a teacher. They did not fully understand who He is. I think the same is true today is that we know Him as the Savior. And He's even in our boat with us. And we're still fearful. We think that God can't fix it. We think that God can't calm the storm. And I don't want to be like insensitive. Um, I don't want to be degrading, demoralizing. But I just really believe this with all of my heart. If you knew who was in your boat, you would feel a lot more ease about the storm you're going through. And I don't even want to say that I don't think that some of your faith is great enough, but I'm going to say it this way, that sometimes, let me just back up and say, did you know where faith comes from? It's a gift from God. So you think your faith is built on church attendance, offerings, spiritual conversations, serving. Faith is given to you by God. Listen, grace is given to you by God. This is going to be a newsflash for somebody. How many of you know you have nothing to do with what he's done? You are just receiving the blessings he pours out on you. That's it. Man, it's not because you believe. You believe because he increased your faith. That ought to blow somebody's mind. You're feeling good about yourself because you can quote a couple, a couple of scripture, but God gave you the faith to believe in his grace. Listen, that's what our community, and what I love about this is, where are you from? Sweetwater? Sweetwater. Uh, Oneida. That's, those people drive a long way to come to church, amen? amen. Severable back there. West Knoxville. East Knoxville sometimes, right? Strawberry Plains area. I mean, these people are coming from all over. They're coming from all over. And what I'm trying to say is that not only just this community, let's let this be our Jerusalem to where we go back out and tell people, hey, this has nothing to do with you. No matter what storm you're going through, God just wants to bless you. Like, I think we need people to understand that, that this whole faith thing, this whole grace thing. And Joe, I'm so glad you said that for people to hear out loud, that it's God who gives it to us, JB. It's God. You don't earn it. I would even say this, your faith does not increase just because you experience Him. It's through your encounters that He increases your faith. Now, I don't want you to, make, I don't want you to feel like you're just a mechanical robot and God's telling you how to do things down here. But you just receive it. Do you not know? That surely there's someone in your life right now that needs to know that. Maybe you need to be reminded of it. Maybe it's you. Anything you have is because of God's goodness and his affection and compassion for you. The whole reason the storm was calm that day was because, one, Jesus was already in the boat. He was able, and they cried out. So whatever you're needing this morning, whatever you're needing in this season of life, if it's loneliness or it's forgiveness, 
Whatever it is, God has the ability to give it to you. And I want to say this, though. It may not come in the form that you wish. I know that many people stress, and I know that many people worry. But I think there's really something that was incredible that we may have missed. I ask you to, to write a note on it. In the beginning of this scripture, can you take me back to verse 35? On that day when Jesus had been teaching, it said, when evening had come, he told them, get in your boat and let's try to cross over to the other side. Get in your boat and make sure you have enough life jackets in case the vessel sinks. Hey, get in your boat. There's a really big storm coming, and I don't know if we're going to make it, but we're going to attempt it. That day he told them, hey, let's cross over to the other side. It was a promise of God that he spoke over them. What I want you to know this morning is if Jesus is in your boat, you're going to get to the other side. You're going to get through the storm. You're going to get through it. When God speaks, it is a promise. He's telling you this morning, we're going to cross over to the other side. We're going to get through this health. We're going to get through these financial problems. There's a season of restoration coming. There's a season of healing coming. But the more you stress and the more you worry, the more you take away from God's glory. I want to ask you something. And I need you to interact with me, okay? I'm give, the preacher is giving you permission to speak. Moonshine, she said. Cheers. I just want to be filled with the Spirit this morning. Now I told somebody, hey, you can't be filled with the spirits and the Spirit at the same time. Okay? You can't have it both ways. Now, you, you, you see this little jar? You see the water in it? Hang with me here. When you see this, what do you suppose that I will ask you? Half full or half empty. Now, that's all about perspective, right? That's all about perspective, whatever you think. However, I've tricked you because that's not what I want to know. Now, I want you to be honest. Don't be silly. How much do you suppose this glass and water weigh? 10 ounces, what? 4.5 grams, or yeah, and 10 ounces, what else? Five ounces. Everybody's like, I'm not good at math, I don't know. Any other guesses? 16 ounces? What if I told you, listen, I think God's gonna speak. Listen, if you're with me, say it's working. What if I told you that the weight of this glass is actually irrelevant? Let me tell you why. Suppose I hold on to this glass for a couple minutes just like this. Actually, the weight doesn't really matter. Come on, hang with me. Suppose I hold on to this glass like this for an hour, Matt. My arm will begin to ache a little bit. Suppose I hold on to this glass all day, and then what happens, Joey, is I have severe cramping in my hands, and my arm feels paralyzed and numb. All the while, the weight has been the same, Brittany. All the while, it's been the same. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Is that pretend this is your stress and your worry, your problems. I see some of you, you get it. 
Suppose you hold on to it for a little while and it doesn't really affect you. Now, suppose you hold on to it for a couple days throughout the week and you begin to cramp and you begin to get paralyzed and, but you're still holding on to it because you're a control freak. Now listen, suppose you hold on to this stress and worry for weeks and months and years and you become numb. You become unaware that Jesus is in your boat, Glenna, able to calm the storm because you're so focused on the waves crashing around you. And I've come to tell somebody as God's messenger for the church this morning that you've got to remember to put the glass down. You've got to put the glass down. See, it seems trivial because, I mean, this really doesn't weigh that much, just like your problems are really not that big of a deal because Jesus is sleeping right now. He's sleeping when the waves are crashing over you. And it does not mean that he does not care for you. What it means is he is not concerned about that because he has control over it. Some of you this morning, you've come in with some things. You've come in with some struggles. You're carrying it. And the longer you hold on to it through the storm, the more it begins to affect your entire life. Same would be true if I held this for more than just a day. Not only would it begin to affect my hand and cramping in my arm and aching, but then my whole side would begin to begin weak. Just from this little bit of water. And what happens is the same is true with your problems. As you begin to carry them, you begin to worry, you begin to stress, it begins to fester. It begins to take over your heart. It begins to take over your mind. And then that becomes your perspective and your filter for how you see everything. It's through worry and fear. take a moment to pray with me. Father, we, we come before you this morning. We come before you this morning, and Lord, there are many of us who are stressed and we are worried. But God, we trust and we believe that you're with us this morning, that you're already in our boat to calm the storms. Father, we know that you're more than able to do more than we could ever imagine. For those of us, God, who carry the waves of stress, the waves of worry, we ask that you would just calm that storm for us now. In Jesus' name, help us to relieve that stress. Church, as a response, stand with me this morning. Stand with me. I want now you to know this. Dead is paid. And everything you're going through has been paid for. In full by the precious blood. From the old rugged cross. Jesus the you're feeling like you've got some debt. You're feeling like you've got some worry this morning. Jesus said it's gone. It's gone in Jesus' name. Hey, sing this with me.